Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. This is what the living word of God says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created us. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So we dive into the scriptures together this morning as a community. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you for the gift of your word today. We thank you that as we read your word, you desire to speak to us through it. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would pierce through our hearts today, that you would speak to us so personally and so individually, as well, so collectively as a community. Father God, we thank you for this time to be together. We thank you for how much you love us and delight in us. We surrender all to you. Just speak to us through your word. We love you and it's in your mighty name, Jesus. All the beloved said, amen. Uh, I wore a brand new shirt for you today. I hope it blesses your life. Got it on Amazon two days ago. And I, I really hope that as I move and shake these stripes, whoo, they bring glory to God. Uh, over the last two weeks, we got the amazing gift to rest, uh, and Alyssa and I, we get the amazing gift to have a son, uh, and his name is Marvin Judah, and the other day, I caught him in the act. He was reading his Bible. As a matter of fact, he was reading my Bible. I have a Bible that is very special to me that I keep on my nightstand, uh, and he got a hold of it, uh, and when he did, he tore out some pages. Now, before you judge him, that's what you do all the time. You tear out the pages of the scriptures that you don't like, and you know you do it. But he tore out some pages, and the worst part is I look over at Marvin, and he's got my Bible in his cute little hands, uh, and he starts eating the pages. He starts eating the pages, and he tore out Genesis 1, he tore out Genesis 2, and he tore out Genesis 3, and he just started mowing on them, just chomping them. Now, he's only 17 months old, so cut him some slack. Uh, he's probably digesting the word of God better than all of us are. <laughs> but that's what I think that the Spirit wants to do in our community today. I think that, that today, collectively, um, more than a self-help talk, more than minutes and moments trying to pretend we're perfect as we sit in chairs or as I stand up here on a platform, I think that the living God just wants us to digest the biblical story, to be caught up in it again. To be found swept up in the story of creation. You see, because without Genesis 1, the first page of scripture that Marvin tore out and decided to digest, the truth that the Lord God created it all, it's hard to say that you and I have much purpose, have much meaning, that our existence actually matters. So today, more than anything, 
maybe we just find ourselves caught up in the story again. Maybe today as a community, we find ourselves digesting the story. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told. And whose we are in the midst of it. So the creation account in scriptures is one that is filled to the brim with joy, delight, and goodness. The one true God speaking life into being, taking the vast empty, taking the nothing and creating everything. The uncreated one creating all that we would ever see, touch, and experience. It is an absolute wonder. Have you recently ever paused long enough to take it in? It opens with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Further down in verse 14, our God speaks and says, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Our God creating seasons, sunsets, and sunrises. I mean, have you ever seen a sunset or a sunrise? One that just takes the breath away. As the light touches the horizon or cascades over the peaks of a mountain. The golden hour of that light glistening ever so softly on your kiddo's face while they run wild in the grass. The golden hour of a sunset. Just moments before the day ends and night begins where everything just seems to have a deep pause to it. Or the early cold dark morning met with a new day. The reminder that the Creator has new mercy. Light piercing through. Waking creation. A sunrise that is so filled with peace it's as if the sun delights to dance before the living God who made it. Or how about in verse 11, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants and trees, fruits and veggies. I mean, have you ever had a watermelon? My goodness! Or the fresh Brussels sprout? I mean, wow! Or the flowers, how they grow. The intricacy of the colors. The array of a petal or the massive trees that speak to the history of our God's creation just dancing and delighting in the wind. Or how on a hot summer day, resting in the shade of a branch that's been waiting to do its duty in the vast expanse of the Creator's design. Or how in verse 24, God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. I mean, have you ever seen an elephant? Those things are wild. Or that puppy dog that you love so much that's bummed that you're at church right now in community. Or dare I even say the cats. That for some reason, the creator decided to create. <laughs> I don't know why. But, that, but what about the livestock? Created and delighted in. You ever have the best steak of your life just oozing with the good good of grill marks? Or one boneless barbecue chicken wing that just sent you back as you dipped it in some blue cheese? 
our God. Not in scarcity, but in absolute abundance. Creating. Or what about verse 20? And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves. Maybe you were one of the lucky ones who saw the the pot of orcas move through our waters the last few weeks. I mean, what a sight to see. Or the birds of the air singing songs back and forth as a praise anthem to the Creator who just delighted to make them. I mean, have you paused long enough lately to really just take it in? The sunrise and the sunsets, the mercy of a new day, the stars and the expanse, the watermelons, the elephants, the orcas, the flowers that dance in the field, the trees that sway in the wind, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. The way that the whole of creation was spoken spoken into being by our God who just delighted to do so. It's a wonder. It's incredible. But none of it bears His image. That's reserved for you. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created us. Male and female, He created them. All the rest. All the rest. Oh, it's incredible and awesome and should be delighted in. And it speaks to the invisible qualities, goodness, glory, and the one true God. But only you bear His image. Only you, right here, right now, bear the image of the one true Creator God. Only when it comes to people does God say, let us make them in our own image and after our own likeness. If you look at all the miracles of Jesus in the Gospel accounts, every time Jesus performs a miracle and rules and reigns perfectly over creation, They weren't ever about the water to wine or the sun standing still or the wind calming or the sea being loosed or the storm ceasing or the fish and the loaves multiplying. They weren't about the stone being rolled away or the sheep herd being cast into the sea or the miraculous catch of fish over and over again. They were never about the created things of this world that you and I get so caught up in. They were always about providing, protecting, And powerfully reminding that people bear the image of the living God. And because of that, every miraculous account blessed those who bear His image. That's the multitude that gets fed. That's the disciples who get saved from the storm. That's the bleeding woman, the blind man, the criminal on the cross, the crippled man, the sinner's heart tuned anew by the love in Jesus' eyes. It's Zacchaeus and Matthew and the whole lot of Peter and Paul. It's those who bear his image that he's after. Never the resources or the miracles that we ask of him. He wants us. He is delighting that we bear his image. Do we delight in the fact that we bear His? Are you undone by the truth that whose image you bear is the holy and perfect God who created everything and calls you beloved? What's the enemy do in Genesis 3? 
Marvin Judah tore it out. I had to find another Bible to find it. <laughs> the Lord God creates. Only one thing bears his image. And the enemy doesn't go after the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, doesn't distort the mountains or the trees, makes no mention or tries to rule and reign over the possessions of livestock or even the garden. The enemy whispers death and deception to the only thing that bears the image of God. Because if the enemy can get to us, everything else becomes distorted. You see, the enemy didn't tempt Adam and Eve and all of humanity to murder or steal or tell a lie. The enemy tempted them to question whose image they bear. That if whose image they bear really was the one true God, the one true God who is completely and totally and always loving towards them, a God who only and always is good and faithful to them, a God who is only and always having what is best for them in mind, are you sure you bear his image? That's the lie, that the image we bear isn't sufficient. So out of the garden we go, searching for a self that cannot be found without the image we are created in. And now everything has become distorted. The way we work, the way we live, how we eat, the way we travel, what we wear, the friends we have, why we want friends, the way we love. The resources of creation have been doled down to consumption rather than delight. Are we undone by the truth that whose image we bear is the holy and perfect God who created everything? Because make no mistake, the creator of the universe is the center of the story and everything we do outside of his original design is counter to life. And counter to life and life to the full. Or as my friend Eugene Peterson says, when you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. And I don't know about you, but I want to stop getting splinters. I don't know about you, but I want to stop getting splinters in my hands and start rejoicing in the nails in his. I want to stop getting splinters in my hands and start rejoicing in the splinters buried in his shoulders from my cross that he carried. I want to stop going against the grain of the universe when the one who created it says I'm made in his image. So the question for us would be, how do we live like that's true? How do we live in such a way that honors whose image we bear? Or maybe even deeper, how do we rest, delight, work, love, and come to know the one whose image we bear? In the Bible, Israel, the people of God, they have an up and down history, don't they? One day they are marching in celebration through the Red Sea, singing songs of victory, and the next they're upset and angry because they miss the Egyptian steak and veggies for dinner. One day, they're marching around Jericho, blowing trumpets with hearts filled with faith. The next, they're thrown into a Canaanite hostel and swayed to worship other gods. One day, they're with Jesus in the upper room, listening in attention to his commands, receiving his love and his blessing. The next, they're stomping around, cursing in a courtyard, denying they ever knew him. It's up and down, hot and cold, all throughout, but yet... All the time, all throughout the history, all throughout the entire narrative of Scripture, we see something solid and steady. 
They are always God's people. The one true God is steadfastly with them in mercy and through judgment and all the while insistently gracious. Why? Because they bear His image. Because we bear His image. Do you know that this morning? That the Bible says He will never forsake the work of His hands. No matter how up or down the day, you are still His people. Then no matter how full of shame, sin, and whatever the story, you are still made in His likeness. The people of God, us, the church, the body of Christ, the follower of Jesus, the people of God are tough. For ages and ages, the world has waged war around the way of Jesus and has yet to win. They have tried everything, but none of it has worked. Persecution and ridicule, torture and exile, confusion and chaos. But the way of Jesus is more alive than ever. The church is not fragile or a fad or something that is fading due to the cultural moment. No, the gospel of Jesus changes everything still. But not because of us, but because of whose image we bear. Because Jesus is always faithful to the work of his hands. But because the God who created the garden will continue to do anything and everything so that we can come back home to it. So that those who bear his image can know his perfect love and be found rejoicing and delighting in him again. That no matter how up and down the day, you are still his people. Not because we chose him, but because he delighted to choose us. The tragedy is how often we choose the splinters and alive the enemy rather than to joyfully receive grace and live into the life that we are created for. What might that look like? How would we do that as a community together? How do we live in such a way that honors whose image we bear? How do we rest, delight, work, love, and live life to the full as a living God created for us? Jesus answers that in John 15. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As you cannot bear fruit by yourself unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus goes on, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How do we live in such a way that honors the one whose image we bear? Abide in Him. How do we rest, delight, work, love, and live life to the full as the living God created for us? Abide in Him. You want to stop getting splinters. Abide in Jesus. For apart from Him, everything else goes against the grain of the universe. He created it. He created you in His image. And if we want flourishing and freedom, it is only ever found as we abide in Him and with Him in all the common and ordinary moments of our day-to-day -day lives. How? Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. How do we abide in your love? 
Jesus goes on, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So you are saying that the God whose image we bear, who only has what is best for us, is completely and totally faithless even when we're unfaithful to him that has done anything and everything to get us near his presence and in his love, calls us his people and his beloved, wants us to abide with him again, just like at the beginning when we were created? Why? It is an absolute wonder. Have you paused recently enough to really take it all in? He wants us. He is delighting that we bear his image. Do you delight in the fact that you bear His? Are you undone by the truth that whose image you bear is the holy and perfect God who created everything? How do we live in such a way that honors that truth? Abide. For Jesus says the fruit of abiding is that His joy may be in you and that our joy may be full. Are you overjoyed that you simply bear the image of God? Or just like in the garden that day with Adam and Eve, are you distracted and looking for something more? Last week, Evan masterfully walked us through Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The next part, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus says the fruit of abiding is that my joy would be in you. And that our joy would be full. So what was the joy set before Jesus as he endured the cross? It wasn't a big church. It wasn't a successful business. It wasn't a nice house. It wasn't the feeling like you've made it or an easy life. The joy was you. The people who bear his image. The joy was his image bearers being able to come home again to the God who deeply and undeniably loves them. Abide in me, Jesus says. Why? Because I am overjoyed that you bear my image. It's your only joy that you bear mine. Let's pray together this morning. Lord God, we thank you that when you formed us, when you created us, when you spoke life into us, You stepped back. You called us beloved. And you said that we are made in your image and your likeness. We thank you that the way to honor you with that truth is to simply abide in you. To be with you. To become like you. To do what you did. To enjoy and delight in your creation. Thank you that you have never forsaken the work of your hands. Thank you that we are a redeemed people set free, designed for flourishing. Thank you that we bear your image. Help it to become our only joy. Thank you, Jesus, that we are the joy that is set before you because you get your image bearers back. Jesus, would you become our only joy? 
not a fleeting feeling or emotion, but a joy that is built on the bedrock foundation of the gospel. The facts of you, God. And we thank you that the fact that you say about us is that we bear your image. Would we pause? Would we abide? Would it come to shape everything that we do, all that we are? And would you be our only joy? We love you. We delight to bear your image together today. Transform us into more of who you are. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. We're going to continue to unpack this story next week. But maybe from this Sunday to next Sunday, you're looking for a few practical ways to abide. Maybe for you this week, that looks like getting up 30 minutes before the rest of your house, spending time in the quiet, seeking the Spirit, asking, what do you want me to know today? What do you want me to do today? Maybe abiding for you this week is steeping yourself in the Scriptures, morning and evening, making sure the Word of God is what is in you, not the words of the world. Maybe abiding for you this week is just going for a walk without your phone in the stillness and quiet of your neighborhood or a trail that you enjoy. Maybe abiding for you this week is just delighting in an amazing cup of coffee or a good glass of wine and allowing your soul to catch up to your body. Abiding is less of doing and more of being. Being still, knowing that He is God and the incredible gift that we are not. Being still, knowing that He is God and the incredible gift that we bear His image. Maybe abiding this week for you will look like what we're about to do in just a few minutes. Worship. Maybe it's getting in your car and going for a drive. Maybe it's going into your room and popping the AirPods in. A powerful church is an abiding church. A powerful follower of Jesus is an abiding follower of Jesus. For we can do nothing apart from Him. If you're able, would you stand as we abide together?